You're listening to Security Speaking, the SSI podcast. Greetings. I'm Scott Goldfine, Editor-in-Chief and Associate Publisher of Security Social Integration. I thank you for joining me for this special COVID-19 Security Business Continuity Roundtable discussion. The objective is to provide strategies and guidance to owners, operators, and managers of security companies on how to best weather the present crisis, how to best come out of it and get back to operational capacity, and what product and service opportunities might emerge in the aftermath. My hope is that you, those you care about, and your business are getting through this ordeal as smoothly as possible, and that its ultimate impact will be as minimal as might be expected. On behalf of everyone at SSI and those participating on this call, our hearts, thoughts, and prayers go out to those suffering most and to those who have lost loved ones to this pandemic. Turning back to the business discussion at hand, I am pleased to welcome our panel. We're fortunate to have with us Matterhorn Consulting Principal and SSI Business Fitness Columnist, Paul Bashurl, Jacqueline Associates Principal and SSI Monitoring Matters Columnist, Peter Jacqueline, and Reitman Consulting Group Principal and SSI Advisory Board Member, Mitch Reitman. We could not ask for a more experienced group of experts, and I thank each of them for participating. And here we go. So guys, what are three things that owners and operators of security dealer and integrator businesses should prioritize during the lockdown period? What I'd like to do is just kind of, I'll just go alphabetical. So let's uh, go with Paul first, if you would. Sure. Uh, from my perspective, there's a couple things that are kind of important and that's look reviewing the processes of uh, how their companies are being run today. Now, uh, most of the clients we work with, we work through process change, but that's like tra- trying to change a tire on a car at 60 miles an hour. So everything is slowed down enough where owners should really be focused on what their processes look like as far as delivery of services, uh, et cetera. I think this is really a key time to do that. Um, the second piece that's really important is really to take a look at those processes and, and how many people do you really need to do the processes. So top grading your talent, um, people have had furloughs in the system integration side of the world and people have put people out. They're going to get a chance to stop and take a look at those processes. Then who do you really need to get those things done? Um, and then finally, it's looking at their business model. Um, if the business model is primarily driven by projects and the revenues is driven by projects and not an RMR component or a strong one. Um, that's something they should really carefully look at. I'm sure those that don't have that today are looking at it right now. The uh, people that are security dealers have such strong RMRs in their revenue streams. Um, they're the ones that I have seen so far that um, are having the least financial impact um, on the situation. Makes sense. Thank you. Uh, Peter, what do you got? Yep. Well, I mean, I think the first thing, which is kind of obvious, is, uh, you know, the health of their, their, their family and their team. I mean, obviously, the family thing is, is, is obvious, but, but really the team and keeping it going forward. Because, you know, as, as most know, that even, even as we come back, there's going to be a lot of apprehension in all kinds of interactions, movements, and social activities. Um, so I think that there's, it's really important, as I've seen some of the companies right now, as we go through this, 
monitoring the health of their their individuals, you know, coming and going from work or even before work, whether it's temperature, whether it's symptoms, things like that. I think somehow, some way that's going to become part of a normal part of life, more so in some businesses than others. So I think that that's really important. And I think that that's something that, well, I know just in my, my conversations as, a, as an advisor, some organizations are dealing with right now. And they're saying it's not anything that's going to end once life goes back to what would be, you know, quote unquote normal. So I think that that's a real important, you know, first element. Um, you know, other things which, again, are kind of obvious. I mean, I hate to state obvious things, but you know, you know, replenishing the cash reserves, right? I mean, no matter what what business uh, they're in, as, as Paul mentioned, you know, the folks that are you know heavily weighted towards RMR, hopefully, are feeling it less than than the others that are project based and. And again, I speak to a variety of them, the ones that have blends and depending upon where they are, have some, you know, luck where they can you know, get some projects done even during this time. But uh, I think you're going to see more uh, look to kind of build their RMR. But, uh, you know, most important, no matter where their business is, they're going to have to build in their, their, their cash reserves, you know, moving forward because they're all they're all going to get impeded right now. And, um, you know, as both those things come together, you need to do all this by staying efficient. So I think. You know, although most um, you know smart businesses are always looking to best practices of, of staying efficient, um, I believe that uh, they're going to have to look at it just a bit deeper, just a bit deeper, so they could, uh, you know, hopefully improve their margins, provide a better service, but but have that efficiency in place. So uh, if they ever have to deal with something like this in the future, uh, that they, they may be a little bit more nimble on their feet. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Peter and, and Mitch. You know, you've been keeping such close tabs. Of the intricacies of the financial relief and all that, um, what what do you have for us here? Well, and, and, uh, it's kind of the best of times and the worst of times, and, and there's some opportunities out there. But the most important thing right now is to keep in touch with your customers, your banks, uh, your uh, your your whole business support team, and and your cus your customers especially, because this isn't a time to forget things and and time to put things aside. Your your customers need to know what's going on. You need to know you're still there, even if your uh, employees may not be all, all there. It's definitely time to investigate uh, some method of sending out blast emails to your customers, letting them know what's going on and encouraging them, especially a lot of my clients have restaurants and commercial businesses that are, that are suffering and shut down. Encourage them to call you if they're having some issues uh, staying open and making your payments, uh, if they uh, have inspections due but they've been deferred. Uh, to encourage them to contact you and talk to you. And uh, I'd also encourage you to go to your customers and say, look, we'll defer a few payments uh, for a few months. We know you're not operating. We know you're struggling. Uh, but you know, when you do get back up and operating, we expect you to come back and, and be our customer and let us know what we can do to help you. Uh, the second thing is responding to service issues. Now more than ever is the time to make sure that you have uh, the people and the, and the ability to respond to staff issues and not just uh, service issues, not just ignore it. Somebody calling for a service call not only needs service, but they're an opportunity to generate some revenue. And uh, the last thing is, uh, and some of the government programs are focused on this, do whatever you can to retain your talented people. Uh, if you have to cut everybody down to 30 hours a week, if you have to uh, uh, temporarily furlough some people, uh, do that because you don't want to drive your talented people off. Because I can tell you, like, like it's been said already, there's going to be a lot of floating out there that has left some of the poor performing companies looking for a place to go. Uh, you need to let your employees know you're there for them. Your first uh, commitment is uh, to make sure that they're taken care of and that they still have a job. And uh, 
if you take advantage of some of the programs that we've been talking about the last few weeks, the payroll protection program, uh, some of the uh, tax credits, uh, some of the disaster loans, uh, I've got I've got clients call me that say that are saying, look, I just don't have a, enough work for these people, even if I keep them on the payroll, payroll, and uh, pay them twenty five or thirty hours a week. And if they're sitting at home, say, look, uh, I want you to pick some. Uh, classes, some ESA classes, some NYSEC classes, some classes somewhere, and take these classes and do some professional development. I expect to see you passing the tests. I expect to see you doing something. I'll continue to pay you, but it's not an excuse to watch I Love Lucy reruns because if that happens, uh, we're not going to make it as a, as a team. So there's some opportunities here, and don't look at it as doom and gloom. Look at it as something that's short-term. We're going to come back out of it, and the strong will not only survive, the prosper. Very good. Thank you, Mitch. And we definitely will come out of it. Uh, we just don't know quite when. So, you know, as we come out of it, you know, what's some advice that you have for those companies, you know, as they're getting back to ramping up and moving towards, you know, operational capacity once again? So uh, let's go back the other way and I'll let Mitch jump in uh, first on this one. Well, the, the, the first thing you should prioritize is, is getting in touch with your customers and catching up on missed inspections, missed service calls, uh, anything out there that, that is uh, one, something that's customer service related, but two, to get you back in the revenue stream and get things going again. Uh, the other thing to do is to uh, get your employees back working and get, the, and get them back in the hang of going back in the office and, and getting work done. This is not a time to lose talent. Uh, I've, I've kept my office open. I've told all my employees they don't have to come in. Uh, they are. Uh, they're coming in every day and working all day, but I told them if they feel uncomfortable or feel bad, they can stay home and still get paid. I don't want to go through the process of rehiring all these people and trying to go find new talent. And you don't want to do that either with, an, with installers or service technicians or back office people. You don't want to have them leave and have to waste hours and hours and hours going back and rehiring people. Make sure that you retain your customers, but also make sure you retain your employees. Mitch, I got to ask you about the SBA uh, loan situation. Um, is that a, a particularly a, a, an issue for the smaller firms out there? Uh, it's 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 another best thing. Uh, I've been dealing for years with situations where the IRS will issue mandates for the IRS um, with a Congress issue mandates for the IRS, and they have no idea how to respond to them. But usually, we had a year to year and a half to figure out what they're going to do. Congress passed this act just a little over two weeks ago with all kinds of requirements and benefits and provisions and were very vague about how they're going to be administered. And the poor SBA has been struggling to keep up with this and get some assurance to people. And uh, the biggest thing you need to remember about this payroll protection program, which I'm sure everybody sees all the information and, and stuff on social media and in the regular media, is the banks are administering it. The SBA has turned this entirely over to the banks, the credit decision, the underwriting, the administration, everything else. But the banks up until this past weekend have been unsure uh, how they're going to get reimbursed and how much money was in the program. What we saw over the weekend was that the SBA finally started reserving funds uh, for uh, qualified borrowers. And so, for example, I had a couple clients this, this weekend that their bank sent them an email and said, We've gotten a number back from the SBA, which means your $100,000, your $80,000 or whatever has been earmarked and there's money reserved. We can make the loan to you. And if it's forgiven, we'll get our money back from the SBA. The SBA has given them 10 days to make the loan. 
and as long as they make the loan in that time, the, the loan is forgivable and out there. So the banks have started processing some of these loans. The other thing we've seen is, and I believe the politics out of it, uh, there was a bill to authorize more money for the payroll protection program uh, in Congress last Thursday, and it got derailed uh, just for some some petty bickering and some and some uh, private projects. And so, uh, the Federal Reserve, in, in just an incredibly interesting event, uh, said that we think this is important uh, to kind of give you a, a synopsis of the uh, payroll protection program. Uh, the government feels like this situation is either going to be short term and we'll be back out of it in 60 days and the layoffs and furloughs will stop and employees will get reemployed or if not they're trying to ease the burden on these state unemployment offices and uh so they're trying to spread this out over 60 days so they've developed this payroll protection program to let companies keep people employed even if they're not doing much uh just to to kind of tied over this this recession and keep money flowing out to these employees and let businesses handle it. Well, the Fed said, we think this is going to be oversubscribed. We think they're going to run out of money fairly soon. So the Fed authorized another quarter trillion dollars that they're injecting into the economy. They're calling it the mainstream program. And it has some loan provisions, but it also, a lot of the money is going to shore up these payroll protection plans, loans, program loans, so that uh, uh, the SBA can, can guarantee more of those. And then yesterday, for example, Texas uh, authorized $50 million of payroll protection plan loans uh, that the state is going to, I guess, in some way, reimburse the banks, or reimburse the SBA for these. So you're starting to see the government step up and put a lot of, uh, of uh, attention into these. A lot of people had a, faced a hard reality that they never had, a lot of business owners, they never had developed a relationship with their banks. And so uh, they passed this program the banks had to make a loan. They weren't very monetarily uh, good for the banks. It's a 1% interest rate that's deferred for six months. So the banks aren't making a lot of money on it. Uh, they didn't want to deal with strangers. Uh, they wanted to make sure they knew their customers. So there was a priority and a, and a, uh, uh, a priority of who got the loans and who didn't get the loans. So the biggest complaint I've heard is that they're not getting a lot of response from their banks. Their banks aren't taking more applications. I'm hoping the government will keep feeding money into this system so there will be some available for lots, lots of other small businesses that couldn't take advantage of in the first round. And that for most businesses is really money from above that doesn't have to be reimbursed, can be used to pay your employees and, and should keep us going. And again, getting back to you don't want to get rid of your, your talented people. So the payroll protection plan is probably the best loan you can be pursuing. Even if your bank is, is running cold on you right now, stay on it and stay after it. The economic disaster loans are interesting and there's a $10,000 forgivable portion, but you do have to pay that money back. And uh, it, is, it is a loan, it, it is debt. So whatever you do, uh, get educated on these two plans. If you have any questions, email us, but this is an opportunity to uh, prosper through a crisis and come out stronger on the other end than you were going in. Well, thank you for that, Mitch. We certainly hope that the smaller companies get through this okay and are able to access the help that's available to them. Peter, moving over to you, uh, what three things uh, or thereabouts uh, do you see, you know, owners and operators of these companies needing to focus on most uh, to get back as close as they can to, you know, normal. 
Sure. I, uh, you know, in addition to what I said is the first item uh, in the earlier question about maintaining a healthy team. I mean, now it's, it's and, and what Mitch had said, now you have to put your team back together, right? Because the work is there. You need you need to start fulfilling orders. So the reality of it is, is, is just trying to get that team back together, make sure that their coordination is there. You know, if you're rehiring, you know, that, that that's going to be a process. Like Mitch said, he doesn't want to have to go through that when this is over. So he's maintained this team. Others that didn't have that benefit. So now it's, you know, that first thing they do is need to put their team together and make sure they're healthy, obviously. You know, then moving forward, have to make sure they're fulfilling any of the installations, non-essential service and anything else that was postponed. And, you know, trying to uh, bring the company back to, to a healthy state. It's, in some, some organizations, it's going to be just as that. They're going to go from, you know, just a, a cold start to a rapid start. And, you know, that can hurt some certain organizations. I mean, we've seen organizations that uh, have started up with great opportunity during times that are, weren't bad and have hurt themselves because of the fact they came too quick. These are organizations that already existed, already have overhead, already have um, you know a variety of things that affect the business because they've been around, but they were just in a, uh, in a holding pattern. Now it's a matter of bringing those teams together, fulfilling those orders, getting the projects back online, making sure that uh, just everybody's just well coordinated and, you know, going through and, and trying to make this into uh, something that would, you could look back to as uh, building on a potential opportunity. Now they have to take a look at solutions, maybe solutions they haven't looked at in the past that uh, maybe are more relevant right now and make sure that those are, uh, you know, presented to their clients and potential clients uh, as beneficial solutions that, um, you know, would, would be beneficial during their, their, their daily lives, whether it's commercial or uh, consumer residential, or, you know, obviously if God forbid we ever had to go through anything that, that mirrored what we're going through right now. So I think that opportunity is going to open up for that. And it's, it's not, it's not about ambulance chasing. It's not about trying to uh, take benefit out of a bad situation. You know, sometimes bad situations anywhere in life, anywhere in history, uh, opens the eyes of individuals of things that they, they should have had or things they wanted to have but never really looked at it all that seriously. I think that what we're going through right now, because it's, it's something like none of us in, in the world has ever been through, at least in the United States, you're going to take a look at technologies and look at different services that, uh, that really make sense, that uh, definitely bring efficiency to their individual families or their businesses on a regular basis and clearly gives them a chance to react better if they have to go through a trying situation as this, or maybe something not as severe as this. So I think uh, you know organizations really need to, need to take a look at the various technologies that are kind of under their roof right now, or maybe uh, technologies and, and services that are similar, but they haven't offered before that their clients could benefit from. Thank you, Peter. Paul, what are roughly three things that uh, integrators should do to get their ducks in a row to, to get out of the gate after this lifts? Well, to kind of touch base on what Peter said, and Mitch as well, is that um, it's really looking at, if this happens again, and, and uh, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's gonna happen again. It may not be as severe, and may not take us by surprise, and we'll be prepared, but, but business owners should be prepared for this to hit us again. 
Um, they've seen and historically these type of events, some have an after effect to them six months later, seven months later, and they pretty much identified that that may be the case here in the fall sometime. So this is just the preliminary or the prep work for what they want their business to look like if this occurs again. So I would tell them it's a reality check. Uh, they're not bulletproof. People that run businesses, often I'm, I'm to blame for this as well, is you take things uh, for granted. You take things for granted as far as revenue, your employees, your customers, et cetera, thinking this is just the normal state of things. So get out of that reality, get an out-of-body experience about thinking a little further ahead about this and what would happen the next time it occurs. The second piece is really about looking at your employees. As Mitch has said, trying to rehire that entire effort of losing talent and then replacing it is, is mind-boggling, to say the least. But having the reality to understand that if people have been home with their families for a month or six weeks, they're going to come back to work with a different value system. So depending on what your company value and culture is, be ready for a shift or a change from your employees as far as how they look at their work-life balance. Um, if they've spent time doing that and they found out there's some things they like about being at home with the family or more time with the family, um, they're going to come back with a slightly different attitude. So business owners have to look at the culture and recognize that, as well as the fact that some employees may really have enjoyed the working from home reality. So uh, how will that pay attention to how they come back out of the shoot on this thing? And will that be something they offer to people um, in the future that are employees? Um, those would be the things I really would tell you. And then the last piece, of course, is just remodeling the business around remote management. So RMR type services or managed service security processes are things that can be done remotely from different places. And instead of rolling the truck, depending on the technology you have deployed out there or the new technology you may deploy out there, being able to manage that and to punch into it and to make adjustments to the databases and test without rolling that truck is going to be more and more important when you can't roll the truck. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, thank you, Paul. I think uh, uh, Peter and yourself started to touch on it, but digging a little deeper, are there some specific products or system solutions that you think are going to emerge, you know, coming out of this in the aftermath? Like, you know, they're talking about new technologies with video or access that can help monitor you know, contagions and things like that. So maybe more biometrics. Uh, Paul, what's your take on that? Yeah, I I think absolutely so. So there's going to be two two elements to this. Number one is there's going to be the rush of hype of people bringing stuff and trying to apply it to the problem where it may not really be the right solution, either overpriced or not tested. Um, so I would, I would tell everybody, be a little bit of aware and a little bit skeptical of what's coming at you. But the reality of the thing is that I covered a product uh, last year that did uh, uh, Speedface. I think it was by ZK Techo. But that product was really interesting because it solved a couple problems with biometrics on the face and or palm. Um, it made it all weather and it made it bigger and it could do it at 30 degrees. So by itself, that technology for biometrics and it would be able to connect really to any existing access control system was really cool. And what they did is they stepped it up and they put a thermal camera on it now. So this thing just released out about... I don't know, two weeks ago, somewhere in that. But it'll tell you within two feet, if you walk up this thing, that you have a temperature and it's going to deny access. And it will also detect face masks. So that's kind of a pretty cool one. Um, cybersecurity. So the newer cybersecurity projects out there and companies uh, like Defendify that uh, allow their dealers to have their own kind of customized portal to their customers, um, cybersecurity, the more we step out in the remote area, the more we're going to need it. 
and more important than that is the, the higher rate the attacks will come at us. Once the um, attackers and hackers recognize that we are now remotely away from our offices and calling in, a lot of companies don't really have the hygiene in that area to really protect themselves. So that becomes a real opportunity for people that want to kind of crash in and steal data. Um, and then uh, finally, again, the, the remote services piece, uh, access control. And there's a company called Arcules that is kind of launched out from Milestone. Um, and they do cloud work. But they do it in a really unique way, which is kind of interesting. Um, they, it, they had an example in February at the show I covered where they actually had a, a New York integrator that converted somewhere around 150 sites, uh, somewhere around 10,000 users, 10,000 cameras globally. They never stepped foot in any of the facilities. Now, if you can imagine that for a minute, right, uh, that I can remotely go in there, reconfigure, and put you into a gateway, and then bring everything back to me and do all the processing without ever putting a technician inside a building. That's pretty amazing stuff. So, Wow, outstanding. Thank you. Peter, um, have a little deeper dive on some of the you know products or services you think might particularly grow in the aftermath of this and you have you know your finger on the pulse of monitoring maybe it's monitored services well I think I think it's all it's all related but uh, you know as Paul said you know remote video and remote access although has you know great legs now I think the enhancements will, will continue and I think you're going to see much more growth in that area I mean again with the monitoring centers obviously a lot of my clients both in my telecom business and, and my, my consulting business are uh, medium to very large scale 24 seven monitoring centers. And you, you could imagine, you know, the effect on them, uh, right now. And, and it's, it's amazing. Uh, they've all taken, although there's some similarities, they've taken, some of them have taken drastically different approaches. You know, I have some clients where hundred percent of their operators are operating from home now where others, hundred uh, percent of their operators are still in, but they've put the thermal cameras in to measure temperature as everyone walks in to make sure they gain access. And if, they are, if they're over a certain threshold, then they go to another station where someone manually checks their temperature. They're giving thermometers to their employees to take home with them so they can actually check their own temperature every day before they come in, taking you know, non-essential people, moving them out so you can spread your operators out. So you know, the remote, the, the whole point is, and, and to your question, the, the remote access and the remote video I believe you're going to see, uh, you know, growth in that area, and it's going to step up into what other emerged technologies are are coordinated with that. You know, moving on from that, and again, another remote service, and this is an area I work in anyway, and I've worked in for, for decades, but but more importantly, uh, quite a bit for the last um, you know five years or so, is uh, remote patient monitoring, and not just for just for ill people, but for for anybody. I mean, especially seniors, but for Ellie, anybody. You know, a lot of times it's combined with in-home PERS, but in these days, because it's been more recognized, sometimes people don't, don't even opt for the, the PERS option where, you know, blood ox, um, you know, temperature, weight, um, blood pressure is all monitored every day, goes up to a portal, loved ones could see it on their app. And obviously, in, in some cases, it's integrated with, with the uh, hospital systems or the doctor systems. And, and again, that's before this happened, that's been having exponential growth, especially with the Medicare reimbursement. Now with this and all the telemedicine that's taking place and you, you hear telehealth on, on, the, on the news every day, it's, I, I, this is really going to be a crazy boost to that. I mean, it, it's like I said, 
it had great acceleration before this. Now it's going to go much further. And I think you're going to see more people engaging, although it's really not for everybody. But the reality of it is that's a technology. I think you're going to see engagement more uh, from folks on, on, on our side of the fence. Um, you know, other things that, again, are related and, you know, most companies uh, that, that we work with, when I say we're as an industry, not the, most companies I work with actually do this, but most people as a security industry is, uh, you know, something called UCAS, which is posted telephone systems. And although that, again, has had great uh, acceleration, where a lot of uh, security and integrators also do telephone systems, you know, currently uh, 70% percent of new deployment of systems are deployed in the cloud. Only 30 percent are premise-based now. Uh, and that's been, you know, that's been accelerating every year. Right now, and again, I, I deal with this on two ends as a consultant, but I also have a telecom business, so I, I, I get to see both ends. The folks that already had engagement with that, whether they had it for uh, uh, a DR or whether they had it just because they integrated it very intuitively, their move to have a remote workforce was really not even an effort for them. It was more, you know, it wasn't a technical effort. Obviously, it was a logistical effort. The others who tried to deploy afterwards, you know, it's a little bit of an effort, but, you know, after two or three days, they got it straight. I think you're going to see a lot more organizations get involved with that because, first of all, it brings efficiency anyway. But again, this is something else. We could go backwards, tie into the access, tie into the the, the remote video and just to have everybody as nimble as possible. Um, and, you know, as Paul said, and a lot of your integrators are, are involved in this in one way or another, is uh, getting involved in, you know, network infrastructure and network security, One whether it's through relationships or whether it's themselves, because, again, a lot of these integrators are dealing with networks anyway because of their IP video, their IP access, and IT security, IP security. So, you know, I think that building that up because that's, uh, you know, there's, there's a real vacuum there and uh, it's problematic. And we, we've talked about it. I've written articles in, in SSI about it. Others have written articles about it where, you know, everything we, with the IoT and everything having an IP address that we deal with right now, I mean, virtually everything, um, a lot of people forget about internet security and whether it's a bodega whether it's a Fortune 100 company or whether it's a condo on the beach, it's they're, they're, everybody's just as vulnerable and everybody has uh, information that's vulnerable that, that, that the bad guys want. So I think you're going to see more, more engagement with that and from our side. We, we should have. And again, you could go back in articles. We've been talking about it for years. But now, as Paul had stated, you have so many people working from home. You have so many things going on. That's going to continue in one facet or another. So, you know, having that security is uh, extremely, uh, extremely important. That's, I think that covers about my thoughts. Thank you, Peter. I think we're going to see back to this, that this will be a tipping point for a lot of those technologies that were kind of burgeoning, if you will. Um, be yeah. very interesting to follow that side of it. Mitch, what are your thoughts on, you know, products and systems in demand uh, and, and big growth opportunities coming out of this, do you think? All right. I'm not much on the on the product side, but I do hear what my clients are, are, are talking about. And one thing that I see is more uh, reliance on supervised access control. I think they're seeing now the, the dangers in a pandemic and an epidemic like this of having one-on-one -on -one, uh, contact with standing security guards and standing security personnel. So some of my clients that do that type of business are starting to see uh, more interest in that. And I think it'll carry on through the the, the pandemic, uh, I think there's going to be more uh, 
interest in technology to enable people to work from home and uh, make sure that there's there's security and more companies worry about cybersecurity, which is something I think that traditional security companies should definitely be looking at. Uh, I'm, I'm not much on the product side. I don't I don't really focus on the product side, and all I hear is what my, my clients are talking about. So I'm going to leave it to our two other experts here to uh, tell you more about the product. Fair enough. Thanks, Mitch. Well, let's talk big picture a little bit. You know, what do you think ultimately, you know, the industry is going to look like uh, from a 30,000 foot view coming out of this? I mean, the companies will be stronger, hopefully more resilient. Um, how long do you think the impact will be on the industry? Those kinds of things. So we'll go back around again and, and Mitch, I'll let you take first crack at that one. Well, yeah, my, my background is business. I'm, I'm an accountant by training, and I, I, even though I've been in the industry for 25 years and, and I have an alarm license, I technically couldn't install an alarm to, to save my life. But I've, I've been telling companies, especially the smaller companies for years, that you need to recognize the fact that this is a business and you need to operate more like a business. And technical know-how is extremely important. Marketing ability is extremely important. But being able to run the back office of your business, be able to operate like a business, is becoming more and more important. And one of the, the one of the biggest reasons we're seeing now is that there's so many more things, products, and services out there that we have to be able to manage and deal with, and the capital requirements of these products are, are so much more. We we first start started seeing it in the late '80s and '90s uh, with uh, subsidized systems and and not being able to get quite the full amount of of uh, install costs when the industry started to follow the cell phone model. And uh, a lot of companies have held out and been okay doing that for, for years. But now you're getting into situations where customers are expecting cameras and thermostat interconnections and, and uh, home automation and, and things like that for a little bit lower upfront price and uh, more RMR in the future. And to businesses that don't have good financial reporting, that don't have good costing, even on the installs that they're putting in for profit, that aren't monitoring their RMR very well, and especially what we're finding out lately is that don't have a relationship with their banks. Uh, a lot of companies are finding out how important it was to have a relationship with your bank. Uh, we're getting calls left and right about these SBA programs, and all they've ever dealt with is a teller at their local bank, and they call over there to get a loan, a $150,000 payroll loan to stay in business, and nobody knows who they are. It's super critical to step back and not run your business for the sake of running a business, but recognize the fact that you are a business and you are a for-profit entity and margins count and buying at right prices count and consistency of how you pay your vendors and consistency of how you you uh, treat your vendor relationships, uh, your ability to get reporting out of your accounting system for more than just billing your customers and uh, filing your tax returns. My, my clients run the gamut from uh, people that can tell you exactly why their customers canceled last month and what the reasons were and what they've done to correct it to people that don't even know how many customers they have and how much RMR they have. And everybody's in between those two. And I think it's very important to understand that this has been a tremendous wake up call that cash flow is king. And the way to stay in business is to manage cash flow and have cash flow and have reserves and be able to make the tough times. And the businesses are going to do the best, the ones that not just survived here. That got out and competed during this crisis time. Then uh, I realize my background is business, but I can't I can't overstress how important it is to start operating your your business like a business. Very good, thank you, Mitch. 
Peter, what do you think a, a year from now, three years from now, what ultimate impact might we see this having on on the way the industry works and you know its growth and that sort of thing? Well, I, I think from the from the unfortunate standpoint, I think some of the folks that uh, did not run their business as a business, as as Mitch said, uh, you know, there's going to be some fallout, right? Not everybody's going to survive, and that's that's going to be really unfortunate. I think uh, those who survive. Um, I really think you're going to see some, some adherence to some really, you know, a lot of the best practices that everybody should always adhere to. So I think, uh, you know, rebuilding those teams properly, especially the you know, the stars that uh, help companies get to where they are, help them get to get over this hump, I think is really important. And I think that's kind of a short-term thing, you know, because you've got to get your coordination, your efficiency back, and you have to have strong people you put that together and combine that with with uh you know best practices of the leadership uh, that'll allow for a stronger uh healthier business when when things are going well and uh, obviously allow for um, the ability to persevere through challenging times as this or you know other challenging times that we're we're sure to uh, come across you know i i think you know from a longer s standpoint um you know, I said it again, I might have said it twice. I mean, re replenishing cash is really going to be important. And maybe it's going to give new meaning to, to uh, you know, having the proper cash reserves and what they mean. And it's it's not just for, a, you know, just a, a cloudy day. It's for when, you know, the, the skies are falling down. And, um, you know, replenishing the pipeline because, you know, this is, uh, I'm sure, a lot of projects that uh, that are on hold unfortunately may, may get canceled. I mean, they've, they've been postponed at the best, but they're going to get canceled. And others, you know, the, the pipelines will fill back up. So I think from a longer standpoint, you know, folks that are restarting, small, mid-size and large companies are going to have to refill those pipelines uh, as, as, they, as they get things done and, um, and move forward. And, you know, one of the things I'm curious of, and I was just wondering what, what Mitch's opinion would be on this, is a concern of valuations of organizations, whether they're integrators and security companies. I mean, we, we came into this and we, for those of us who are at the Barnes Conference, you know, we saw and we, you know, we experienced folks that live it in, in the M&A world that, um, you know, valuations have been, um, you know, not, not, not as uh, robust or steady as they've been in the past. Now, what's this gonna do to valuations? just because there's going to be uh, such turmoil in the industry. And I, I don't know if anyone, I don't think anyone's gonna have really the magic answer, but I, you know, my gut tells me that uh, because we went into this a little shaky, I think we're gonna, it's gonna be a little bit of time before the valuations get back to where, you know, where everybody hopes they, 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 should, they should be. So I think that's a big one. That's a big long-term one that I think people are gonna be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Did you want to comment on, on that at all, Mitch? Yeah, uh, that's a really interesting point that Peter brought up, and, and we've seen a lot of turbulence. I, I do about 25 to 30 valuations a year of, of uh, security companies, integrators, and fire companies for divorces, for partner disputes, for IRS purposes, for, uh, uh, for probate issues. And what I see out there is uh, I, I think that we've gotten into a situation where multiples had gotten a little high, and then last fall, we had some issues with some uh, larger uh, mass market companies collapsing, and, and there were reasons for that that were unrelated to 90% of the industry, but it got a lot of attention uh, for equity money, uh, thinking twice about the industry for a couple of banks pulling out. 
And we went to the Barnes Buchanan conference in February and they said the sky's falling. And what do you know, 30 days later, the sky was falling. And uh, in this industry, what you have to realize is that your value is based on your cash flow. And different companies have different cash flow. No two companies are alike. And it's almost like if you go to a marathon race, you'll have uh, a group of people that can run that marathon in three or four hours, and uh, they're they're competing to be the first place winner. And then you have a whole bunch of guys that ate a cheeseburger last night, and they're headed out with their marathon bib on, and they're a marathon runner. And it's the same way in this industry. Not all companies are that front-running marathon runner uh, that's out there doing stuff. Some of them ate the cheeseburger last night. And you, you've got to decide what kind of company you want to be and how you want to be valued and how you're going to get through this situation. Uh, when, when I was a teenager, I was real interested in sailing. And I, uh, I read an article one time about these survival races and it said, quit surviving and start racing. And what their theory was, and it was a good theory, was instead of trying to just stay alive and stay afloat out there in this race, realize that everybody else is struggling and quit struggling. Just plain quit struggling. Look, look for opportunities everywhere you go. Look for ways to manage your company. Look for ways to keep your cash flow up. and 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 not worry so much about the external factors you can't control, but control what you can control. And just because somebody's saying that multiples are coming down and businesses aren't worth what they used to be, that, that shouldn't affect you if you've got a strong customer base with loyal customers and a good service department and good employees. If you start doing things like focusing on the wrong segment, like uh, trying to address factors that really aren't a threat, like DIY and, and some other issues, and if you let go of a lot of really talented employees during this crisis because you don't think you can afford them and then never get them back again, you could end up not being able to survive. If you take advantage of the situation, if you do like Paul said, and you look for employees that have a lot of talent that have been displaced by a company that didn't know how to manage their business and hire some talent and are able to take advantage of some programs and are able to get, get some money and, and are shifting more from this non-recurring one-off stuff into recurring revenue, even for inspections and even for service agreements, and even sometimes to some extent for leases, you're more positioned to weather these storms and your valuation is going to go up. So yes, I think that valuations are down. I think valuations are inflated, but I think the valuations will be all over the board because some people just plain run their company better than others do. Excellent, thank you. Paul. Uh, yes. What do you see a year out from now, three years from now? Uh, what, do, what do you see? What do you, what do you hope to see? Yeah, um, so I got to agree um, uh, with what has been said already. So cash flow and running your business the way you should run a business. I think this is going to be the biggest wake up call in the short term. Uh, those that did business almost in spite of themselves um, are, are going to have a real hard look at the mirror um, and survival rates on them in the short term, you know, unfortunately, I think we're going to see failures in those areas. So I think that will happen. Um, short term, you know, advice is that a, when you're, when your employees come back and your strong employees come back, um, you really need to listen to them. So asking the question of how they get through this and how you as a company get through that, if they were willing to open their ears and listen to their employees, um, they're going to get better results because everybody's in the same boat. And it's not about surviving, as Mitch said, it's how do you strive. So if they if they open their ears and listen to their employees, they're going to get some better ideas and they're going to have more cohesiveness to stick together uh, through the tough times of regrowing the business. Um, the one part that's kind of interesting is the, the do-it-yourself. Everybody's been scared to death of this. Everybody's been writing about it. But I will tell you, I think the do-it-yourselfers in those ilk are going to actually benefit from this. 
because as some of the weaker companies come out of this without the cash flow they need to sustain and grow, um, I think you're going to see DIA pick up some percentage points. So I don't know that that's scary or not scary, but I just think that will probably happen. Um, and then longer term, um, the private equity and the valuation questions that Mitch addressed really well and Peter brought up, um, that's a real key element. So I think they've been inflated over the years. I think this is going to really ground it. This is like a lightning bolt to the ground. The private equities that have been doing the roll-ups with the system integrators are really going to be feeling this this event right here because if your cash is all based on projects, most of the big integrator roll-ups are really, are really struggling right at the moment because of projects on hold. And those ones that are hold, uh, I think as Peter might have said, th those funds might go away. Just They're on hold now, but they... The companies that are going through this as well as clients are, are managing their cash as well and their employees. So I, I think there's going to be a longer term ripple effect. Short term, I think we can get through it. The, the ones that are not strong enough are just going to fall by the wayside. Um, the strong ones and the ones that are aggressive and want to strive, um, this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to grow and expand and get market share. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Paul. Any final thoughts? Uh, and, uh, and also, if you have any resources uh, you would like to recommend to viewers as well, uh, let's, uh, Paul, any final thought? Um, you know, just uh, pick, pick yourself up. So it, it's what I tell my clients, it's like, don't people get so down when you have these kind of events? Well, we haven't had a, this type of event in our lifetime, but I, I put it this way. It's like walking through a minefield. Now, there's two types of people. There's people that pick your head, you pick your head up and look out at the horizon, right, and have some faith and some guts to get through the minefield. And then those people that put their eyes right on the ground and they look three feet in front of them for every step, right? So you really have to decide between those two middle, um, those two ideas is where are you going to be? Are you going to be bold enough to step forward carefully, of course, or you can have your eyes right on the ground with every nickel that you spend, every decision you make will absolutely retard your growth right? And can, can be detrimental. If you look too far out in the horizon um, and just let this thing pass, you're not going to learn the lessons that it's taught us. So that would be kind of my final thought. Thank you, Peter. Final thought? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, especially for the, uh, for the large scale integrators, the ones that, uh, you know, Paul had mentioned that are more project centric. And again, I've said this for years and I guess because I've been around a long time, I hopefully got away with it without insulting anybody. I always felt that, uh, you know, the large-scale integrators, they were snobs to recurring revenue. I mean, I've, I've said it to friends and, uh, you know, others have, have come a long way, whether the recurring revenue come from monitoring services or others. Uh, they I just think they that this hopefully would be a, a strong lesson for everybody and anybody, but especially those who are snobs to recurring revenue, that, you know, you don't need a screwdriver or a jackhammer to make money. And um, there is a variety of things in addition, monitoring the most obvious, but there's other things that are relative. And I think that, uh, you know, integrators should cross over to offering a more, you know, holistic solutions that would provide additional recurring revenue that are just not, you know, bolt on things that are cool in their technology, the things that are actually related to what they do. And um, it, uh, it'll obviously help during times like this, but more important, it'll bring better value to the clients and give them revenue streams. So I think that that's really extremely important. And the things that are related to, whether it's cybersecurity, whether it's UCAS, whether it's network management, things to that effect. I mean, I see, and part of the reason why, you know, I opened a, a telecom agency is because some, some organizations 
want to take it upon themselves, and that's good. So they become competition, but others just want to partner with others. And we see a lot of collaboration in our industry. And I think uh, I think that more, whether it's a security installing dealer or integrators, just really need to build on that. And again, Paul had said it more than once. You know, you go through tough times, whether it's tough times like this, which we've never seen, whether it's just a, a tough economic time where where projects are on hold. Some organizations, midsize and large, I mean, they they're 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 it kills them. And you know, when you have that recurring, as everyone knows, who are primarily recurring centric. Uh, you know, life could go on and get you over that hump and um, maybe you don't have to change your lifestyle. So I just think that, you know, final, just final word, just uh, look at more holistic approaches, whether it's something that, uh, you know, takes a jackhammer or whether it doesn't. Very good. Thank you, Peter. Mitch, what do you got for a yeah. final word? There's a, there's a great book that all economic students read called uh, Extraordinary, Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds. It was written in the early 19th century. And it talks about all the crazy delusional uh, things that have happened to pop populations and the humans in history and how we got through it. And what you got to do is, is step back and not be part of the crowd and think rationally and, and look at things and, and read a history book and see how the human experience has constantly gone from boom to bust, from boom to bust, from boom to bust. And every time we get too fat and happy, something comes along to remind us what happened. And I was watching last night on TV, there was a, the food bank uh, had a food giveaway to people that were starving and there were uh, three or 400 cars in there. They waited all day. And I was seeing Corvettes and Porsches and Lexuses and Mercedes in there. And the people were saying, you know, I know I have a nice car and I know I have a nice lifestyle, but I don't have a paycheck and I'm starving. And I feel sorry for them. It's sad that they were starving, but let's stop and think about this. If they really didn't have any cash in the bank and they couldn't make it for three weeks of lockdown, do they really need to be out there buying a Mercedes or a Porsche or a Corvette? And should they not have thought about the fact that not everything's guaranteed, not everything's out there? And if you're running a business, you got to stop and think, can I really make payroll with a Lamborghini? You've got to put money aside. You've got to plan for the bad times, not dwell on them, but plan for the bad times to be able to, to pull through. Because I look at my client base and I see a lot of very talented, very bright people that are figuring out ways to get through this. And we're working with on ways to get through this. And we're working on strategies. And they're going to come out, uh, like Paul was talking about, with some really talented people that are going to fall off from other companies and join their companies. And some really good customers aren't going to get service and are going to leave and, and come to their companies. And they're going to retain their good employees. And they're going to retain their good customers because they planned ahead. They thought. They didn't get fat and happy. And they didn't fear the, the downside, but they didn't... Uh, they, they they didn't uh, take advantage of it. They just did the right thing and they got through it. So stay tough, wash your hands, uh, keep your people uh, keep your people apart, and let's all get together at the other side of the curve and see who's done the best. Excellent advice, yeah. great advice yep. from 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 everybody. Thank you guys so much, gentlemen. Much appreciated. I hope you found that very valuable. Security sales and integration will continue to keep industry professionals informed with news and developments related to COVID-19, as well as its usual timely security business and technology content. For the latest specifically related to the pandemic, plug in securitysales.com forward slash tag forward slash coronavirus. I'd like to again express my gratitude to our distinguished panel. Thank you very much to all of them. In closing, be smart, be safe, and always take pride in the important societal role our industry plays in protecting people and property. Bye.
Thank you.